the show that goes there. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show all the way from the city of Pugalani. Welcome to it. It is Discoverer's Day, Columbus Day. Well, it depends on where you are, but it's a day, and oh my God, is it a day full of news. We've got a lot of stuff to dive into, and we'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, hello, welcome. Oh my God, it has been a whirlwind weekend. Uh, if you want to catch up with anything to do with this show, with me, or yeah, just go to the website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is served. Just look for at Shaggy. Live. Before we get to some of our big stories of the day, I, I kind of want to have a personal moment because this weekend's decision to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court is going to have a lot of, uh, how do I say this, ramifications going down the road. And in the course of this program, I will try to go through some of them. But Before we get to that part, let's start off with the part that a lot of people are having to address in their homes and in their workplaces. How do we talk about this? Now, if you've <laughs> if you've been like me and tried to avoid the whole social media cyclone over the weekend, uh, you've probably noticed that several friendships or office, uh, what did Ron Swanson used to call it, uh, close proximity workmates uh, relationships are a little tainted uh, over some of the exchanges had on social media. And the reason why is because this was a very highly contentious battle. And it's not a battle just for what a lot of analysts are saying is the Republicans trying to rewrite the judiciary because they know that they're going to lose the legislative branch coming up in the the midterms. That's why there's all these federal appointments that, well, we're really not talking a lot about in the news because there is so much more to talk about coming out of the White House. But how do we talk about this? That seems to be the question. Because in a lot of people's lives, they've noticed that even long-term friendships and things like that have kind of fallen by the wayside as the political rhetoric and volatility in this country goes up between the left and the right. Now, essentially, if we remove all of everything away, and trust me, this is kind of like a very stupid thing that people do in history, but let's remove all of the contentious emotions around this, and look at what just happened. A obstructionist Republican Party that has claimed the Democrats of being obstructionist, 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 who, by the way, kept uh, Obama's appointee, Merrick Garland, uh, sitting for 400 days without being seen when he was recommended to replace a vacant uh, Supreme Court seat, Mitch McConnell has come out and said, basically, look, it's not us that are the obstructionists. It's the Democrats that are the obstructionists. And therefore, we need to push this through. So at the end of the day, this was kind of a party that knew that it was in its, how how do I say this? It was in deep doo-doo with its base. A lot of them not going tough enough into the presidential uh, agenda. And and some of them... uh, 
just not being competitive enough in the eyes of the the invigorated uh, GOP. So when it comes to discussing this, you kind of have to say, okay, this is the second judge put on a lifetime appointment by the Republican Party that had some very, very haunting and serious allegations of sexual misconduct and assault. It's the second one. And the thing is, is that that fact seems to depress a lot of people. As a matter of fact, if you were following any of NPR's coverage over the weekend, yeah, I know, I I listen to a little bit of everything, uh, you'll notice that on their social media, they shared a photo that was like, hey, I was supposed to ask this lady for uh, permission to get a picture, but she just looked at me and said, we don't have another 30 years. What am I going to do now? And it's a very heart-wrenching kind of emotional thing that that is going on to a lot of people. And on the other side, there's a lot of yay and attaboys and kind of, yeah, we stopped. And this is the thing. We stopped them baby killers by putting Kavanaugh up on the Supreme Court. Is that what you think this is over? Just one tiny little issue? It's not. And it's going to go a lot deeper. So when I say, how do we talk about this, we have to think about things going into the future. And that's kind of where I want to start off with the news today. Because if you have been living under a rock, your worst nightmares have come true, or your best dreams. Brett Kavanaugh over the weekend in a highly contentious Senate vote of 48 to 50, and a huge, huge, huge procession of protests that has been dominating the news cycle for the last God knows how long. I mean, what is this, day 4,027 of the Trump administration? Time has no meaning anymore. But uh, getting back into this, after all of this contentious kind of battling and and hoo-hawing over this appointment, he was appointed Saturday. And there's two sides that we can address here. And first off, I want to start with the Supreme Court itself. You see... The Supreme Court, for the longest time, has kind of put itself out there in in constitutional terms as a co-equal check and balance uh, against the legislative and uh, executive branches of government. It is it is basically one of those systems that was supposed to keep us out of <laughs> trouble. The trouble is, is that now with this political battle that was behind the nomination process and I don't want to stray into the sexual allegations yet. We'll get to those in in a bit. But let's look at this from the political battle that it was between Republicans and Democrats. There was a lot of money spent in ads, some $9 million. As a matter of fact, Susan Collins called all of that out. Neglected to mention that, I don't know, 65 to 68 percent of that was spent by a super PAC group that was basically in support of Brett Kavanaugh. But that's kind of glossing over uh, Collins' comments about dark money and this whole thing. It was, for all intents and purposes, a highly contentious political fight. And that's where the Supreme Court is going to find itself in a little bit of trouble because, 
for the longest time, the Supreme Court has kind of maintained this air of being removed from the drudgery and sliminess of politics and, oh my god, the horror of it all. But now, with this particular appointment, despite who it is, despite what they're alleged to have done, what we had, essentially, is a political battle. And this political battle for the judiciary seems to be a long-term plan by one of the parties in power right now in the United States. Since we can't secure a legacy in one branch, executive or legislative, we will use a system of lifetime appointees in the judicial branch to make sure that when we're not in power in the executive and legislative, we at least have guys that are, and here's the part that's kind of, kind of scare everybody, disproportionately powerful compared to the legislative branch, we're going to let them be the gatekeepers of our agenda. But the Supreme Court itself, the justices themselves, well, despite how they all got in there, there is kind of a different vibe inside the court. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. I saw the swearing in over the weekend, Shaggy, and I know that there was people missing there, and Honestly, that had a lot more to do with it was rushed through right at the last minute, weekend, and travel, and yeah, it was just a scheduling thing. There was no, like, ooh, resist Kavanaugh thing at the swearing in, especially when it came to the justices themselves. You even saw people like Sotomayor there. Because why? When it comes to the Supreme Court itself, the justices tend to ignore the outside world. And that's always been their kind of image of ignoring things that are going on on the outside world and just kind of focusing on their political and judicial ideologies in executing cases that are heard before them. It's really kind of a weird, tight-knit family. And I know that's kind of weird, but even people like, you know, Clarence Thomas, who... <clears throat> Let's not forget, he was the one that was referenced so much and wished that we had forgot about how he got into the Supreme Court all those many years ago. Yeah, even he enjoys a level of prestige when it comes to his Supreme Court colleagues. They are, and I know what you're thinking, but Shaggy, come on, this is a alleged sexual offender that, that, that basically said like nine or ten times that he, he loves beer in front of a Senate committee. No, that's not going to matter inside of the Supreme Court. They, they literally are blind to events that happen outside of their realm. And as such, that means that, believe it or not, there is no chance of some sort of Supreme Court uprising. And, and I saw sto stories of what it was like. Uh, how could you impeach a Supreme Court justice? And, and so on and so on. Okay, okay. It's it's a long, convoluted process, you know? I think Marilyn Manson wrote a book called It's a Long Road Out of Hell. And he meant it. But um, the thing about this is that Kavanaugh will be enjoying kind of a level of prestige that is normally not bequeathed to people like him and accused of doing things like him in normal society. 
Whereas the political atmosphere on one side painted him as a godsend for uh, unborn fetuses, and 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 the other side painted him as a oh god frat party boy with a groping fetish. The Supreme Court justices will just see him as another deciding vote. And that's where you have to talk about the future of what's going to happen with his voice. You see, with a 5-4 split towards Republicans in the Supreme Court right now, like I said, because of the disproportionate power between the legislative and the Supreme Court, or the judiciary branches in our, 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 our makeup, um, this is going to swing the country's agenda towards the GOP's core agenda for many, many, many years to go. And that agenda is rooted in things like theological beliefs that women don't have sovereignty over their own body, and the world was created in six days, and I mean, there's... There's all kinds of weird beliefs out there. But the thing is, is about these beliefs is that they, they power the doctrine despite the country in spirit being separated from church and state. And Kavanaugh has already kind of shown himself to kowtow to the beliefs of the hard, hard Christian. And I'm throwing up air quotes here because we have to have kind of an aside here when I mention Christians and their support of Kavanaugh and Donald Trump. But he represents the Christian ideology on the Supreme Court as the, the, the swing vote. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say the swing vote as the guy replacing the swing vote. Now, about that Christian ideology that he so-called represents so hardcore and uh, kept falling back on time and time again during his hearing. Um, oh yeah, and let's not forget that also Kavanaugh has already endeared himself to the other Supreme Court justices when during the opening part of his hearings, uh, we don't really remember that, do we, because of all the stuff that happened later. The opening parts, Kavanaugh actually said... I believe that the Supreme Court should be above political... Okay, basically he just tried to tell the other justices, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, I'm going to be one of you guys, and I'm telling you that all this stuff that I'm having to go through, it's not going to matter. And it won't, because in the long term, lifetime appointed judges, God, how do I say this, they kind of have to get along. It's kind of like living in a trailer park. You know you're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. And the most that you can hope to do is move yourself further down the, the gravel road from them. But it's about all you can hope to accomplish. When it comes to the future of the Supreme Court, these Christian ideologies that Kavanaugh claims to represent kind of resulted in a huge backlash if you were looking at letters to the editor in USA Today over the weekend because, oh my God, did a lot of Christians explore the, how do I say this, the limits of their their faith and its tolerance towards craziness, um, with a lot of people basically coming out and saying, look, despite what is alleged to happen and the rush job of the FBI, the fact that this guy basically calls himself merciful and then goes on the attack, that is not a Christian ideology that, that, that we hold dear, so please stop claiming our faith when you do bad things. And that's just it. 
with this discourse between how faith is represented in government and how it's actually represented in the pulpits, the church and state are going to find themselves in a very weird relationship with the Supreme Court going into the future. And what I mean by that is because they're going to find themselves being ballyhooed behind some pretty, you know, pretty extreme causes that they're going to be like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. We didn't sign off on that. And that's kind of what, and, and I'm not going to read any of them. I, I think you should take the time, especially in what we're we're experiencing in this moment of history, I think you should take the time to read all the stuff yourself. Because this is the thing, uh, coming to you from a standpoint of I don't believe in any sort of ideology that adheres to you know, deities or things like that, I'm kind of a hardcore atheist, scientist, skeptic guy, you, you get the picture. Even I, when I look at how Christians are represented by government and saying, oh, this is a Christian ideal, this is a Christian ideal, it's actually the same case as Donald Trump's base and the rest of the GOP in large. It's not really indicative of the entire movement. As a matter of fact, it's a small niche of a niche, and these guys, the shake-snaking, tongue-speaking, Oh, God, let's live a biblical lifestyle, and oh, by the way, we're, we're going to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we're going we're gonna to live through. Um, these guys, the small niche ones, are basically giving, according to a lot of the letters that were sent into USA Today over the weekend, these are the guys that are giving the rest of the movement a bad name. But the Supreme Court and Kavanaugh's appointment to it could see itself leaning very strongly towards ideals that they will try to label as of the Christian faith, but in fact are not indicative of the movement as a whole. Now, that is probably the weirdest thing you've ever heard from an atheist before. Please don't group all Christians together. It's kind of like how for years we say don't group all Muslims together or Hindus together or rednecks. Well, okay, actually, do group all rednecks together because I come from the South and let me tell you... Yeah, that apple doesn't fall. No, that they, they they didn't learn gravity, or lucky they got past the opposable thumbs thing at some. And I'm not insulting the South. I am from there, and I I am just saying that it is a very very contentious place right now. The reason why is because that small niche of people that I said are being represented as whole and ballyhooed as this whole Christian movement are kind of the remnants of a long time ago of of. Richard Nixon's Southern strategy. You remember when we took all the racist Dixiecrats and converted them over to racist Republicans. It was a brilliant strategy on the part of getting reelected. Horrible strategy as far as uh, progressing society to a more we the people in order to form a... You, you get the picture. It goes against the core beliefs of America. But when it comes to the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh's appointment is actually going to be more of a murmur in the long course of history. We will look at all of the bad political ramifications and stuff of it, but think about this. Before Kavanaugh's hearing, before any of the allegations, before he was picked from a list that literally had no discernible good over bad, just a list of random strangers that could have been on the Supreme Court, before he was Justice Kavanaugh, 
that's that's the part that people will forget because the hearings and everything Ford's testimony the allegations that came out from other women, the fact that oh God, the women that did support him at first later recanted their support when they found out that, oh my God, wait a minute, I actually do kind of remember some slimy things. All of that will be forgotten because before Brett Kavanaugh even became a blip in the news, how often were we still talking about Clarence Thomas? Think about it. The long view of history when it comes to the Supreme Court will forget that this is an issue. It was an issue back in 19... It's actually still an issue, by the way. It's just now that somebody else is up there and, and kind of brings it back to light. The thing is, is that as Americans, we are quick to move on to the next shiny thing forgetting sometimes that the the thing that's no longer as shiny to us is in fact still there and much like things that lose their shine out in nature you know like chrome in a trailer park okay i'm gonna stop making fun of trailer parks i swear but much like a shiny formica stone in the uh, backwoods of north carolina how it will slowly sink into the ground and go unnoticed that doesn't stop it from existing and on the Supreme Court for the longest time since the 1990s, we've already had a Kavanaugh type. But we stopped talking about it. And the reason why is, one, the Supreme Court is always trying to maintain its prestige in the American public. Uh, not only in that, but in the, uh, you know whole realms of government, they, they try to absolve themselves of anything, any baggage from the outside world that could damage their ability to execute their decisions. It's ineffective for them in the Supreme Court to actually register the outside world and its implications to what they do. I don't know how to say this, but they're, they're like a pure theological... Uh, or should I say theoretical, thinking kind of branch of government. A lot of stuff they do is working in concepts going forward of, and precedences back, but, you know, mostly what are the ramifications going forward from precedence in the back, and y you see what I'm saying? Their whole system of getting things done means that they kind of have to ignore how they all came together. In Kavanaugh for the rest of his life or until, you know, he resigns, um, is going to be enjoying this kind of co-equal relationship with all of the justices and in the long view of history, much like we did with Clarence Thomas, we're not going to talk about it. Now, there was kind of a difference, though. When Clarence Thomas was appointed, we didn't have a guy going out on the rallying trail and bragging about it like we did in the guise of Donald J. Trump, who basically took to the mic immediately to brag about how great it was that he had got Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court and, oh, by the way, those lying liars and the lies they tell. And here's the thing. There's kind of a weird moment in that speech, too, because this is the other thing that we forgot about Clarence Thomas. 
When confronted with these allegations, he could have done an honorable thing and recused himself from his appointment. He, in fact, did not. Reason being, really wanted that seat. But other people have really wanted seats in government, too. And on the campaign trail... Oh, he's not campaigning? Oh, he's just rallying people. Okay, so Trump on the rally trail? Is he a cheerleader? Okay, but uh, Trump on this trail basically said, hey, you know the big thing about that guy, Al Franken? It's not the fact that he was accused of stuff. It was the fact, and here's the weird part. You have to think about what this means. From the mentality of the president who you have on file, multiple, multiple, multiple cases of not only alleged sexual abuses, uh, kind of a you know slimy underhand treatment of women, and uh, let's not forget victim shaming. Um, Donald Trump basically said that the biggest crime that Al Franken, who resigned from the Senate after sexual allegations of him groping a woman, came forward, he resigned. Trump said that was his mistake. In other words, he shouldn't have quit despite being accused of these things because Kavanaugh made it to the Supreme Court. Trump's pretty sure Franken should have stayed right where he was and just ignore all the allegations. This came from our president's mouth. He's endorsing Guys basically ignoring any sort of allegations that come forward, and if they have any kind of bad actions that they actually commit, not to admit those things because who's going to prove it? That's right, guys. Men are back, and women are just second plate, no, fourth plate. How low does that scale go? And here's the thing about all of that because. Coming up, this is going to have a very interesting twist that we have to talk about in, in some more articles that I read over the weekend. But going forward, with Donald Trump basically out there saying, hey, the biggest thing that a guy can do when he's accused of sexual misconduct is not to react, is to just stay the course and make sure that you rise to the occasion of keeping your job despite the horribleness you've done. With those words coming out of the president's mouth, talking about the future of the Supreme Court kind of pales a little bit in comparison to talking about the culture of America. And coming up, we'll talk about some of the cultural ramifications of this weekend. Going forward, it's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. If you think our government's war policy has become out-of-this-world cuckoo, consider the spaciness being proposed by the cosmonauts on Spaceship Trump. Spending nearly $700 billion a year on maintaining the five branches of the U.S. war machine, not counting the cost of actually fighting all the wars they get into, is not enough, they now tell us. So, prepare to soar, militarily and budgetarily, into a boundless war theater where none have gone before. Yes, outer space. It seems that Captain Trump himself woke up one morning in June and abruptly announced that he was bored with the fusty old Army, Air Force, etc., so he wanted a shiny new sixth military branch to play with. 
a space force to carry America's war-making power to a cosmic level. His loyal lieutenant, Mike Yesman Pence, promptly saluted, calling Trump's whim an idea whose time has come. America's military leaders rolled their eyes at this folly, but they've since snapped to attention and are preparing to launch Captain Trump's grandiose space dreams. In a melodramatic speech, Pence declared that the new Space Command will, quote, seek peace in space as on Earth. Hmm, that's not very comforting. However, he says he's thrilled that Trump's Space Force will be led by a four-star general, have its own bureaucracy with a multi-billion dollar budget, have a separate division to funnel money to corporate war contractors, and have its own snappy uniforms. Won't all that look great if Trump ever gets that big showy military parade he's been demanding as a tribute to his leadership as a cocktail room warrior? This is Jim Hightower saying, The Trumpeteers gush that this extraplanetary extravagance will attract, quote, America's best and bravest to serve us as war fighters. Of course, their privileged families won't have to fight in any of the space wars they're dreaming up for other families to fight. What do the corporate powers from Wall Street to Walmart have in common? They hate the Hightower Lowdown. You can see why at www.hightowerlowdown.org. News from the left and the right. From the guy a bit off center and slightly out of his mind. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back no matter where you are in the world. Hey, you should check us out online. We have a fancy website at shaggyjenkins.com. We're on Patreon, too. Just look for The Shaggy Jenkins Show. And, by the way, if you're on Spotify or Stitcher, you should subscribe to our show. Just look for The Shaggy Jenkins Show. That would be me. I'm your host, critical thinker, problem solver, guy that's just a bit out of the normal and a little crazy. My name is Shaggy Jenkins. You can find me online at my website or just follow me wherever fine social media is served at Shaggy Live. Okay, let's get back into some of our uh, God discussion of what this weekend means for a lot of people. Um, the reason why is because, look, when I said that this is going to have some cultural implications going forward, oh dear God, did I mean it. Because there was an article over the weekend that um, kind of blew the lid off of my my tiny, tiny little brain. Um, the reason why is because, look, not too long ago, there was this other contentious uh, kind of a race in the United States. It involved a guy that was accused of acts of pedophilia. Yeah, I'm talking about the whole Moore election thing that went down in Alabama and... For the most part, and I absolutely mean most part, the voting demographic that was able to thwart Moore's ambitions was women of African descent. Yes, black girl magic played in a huge way to thwarting one guy. And that's kind of where this interesting topic came up over the weekend, and I... I really kind of, yeah, I kind of understood what they were saying. Uh, on the website The Root, one of their authors, uh, yes, a black woman, basically said, hey, white women, come get your people because yeah, we, we can't save you anymore. 
And if you understand what come get your people means, that basically means that, yeah, we've had enough. Please come get them. I'm tired, y'all. And what they're referring to is, look, white women who always complain about the things that are done against them. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm oppressed this way. And, and no, I'm not making fun of them because I'm saying that, yes, they are oppressed. But when they complain about it, women of color look at it and go, really? Do you have any idea what my day was like just to listen to your corny ass? Um, but with all of that aside, the article kind of painted an interesting picture of what we're seeing when it comes to white women's complacency in allowing bad things to happen to them. In other words, we have to bring up, uh, okay, uh, we have to bring up two things about this story First, you know that Susan Collins, the, the, the one people that everybody was holding out hope for, but let's go ahead and look at our track record of Susan Collins disappointing humanity. Okay, yeah, there was no chance in hell that she was going to vote any other way than she did. However, in defending her vote, well, oh, that's where things get a little interesting. Um, <clears throat> here's, here's one of those things. When she was talking about, okay, look, we, we, we have to say that these allegations, although horrendous, are, are basically all this part of a big, vast conspiracy of dark money against us. And in other words, she's buying into the whole uh, red pill of, look, there's a vast liberal conspiracy in the government, some sort of machinations. They they wear robes and masks. and No, 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 that was the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Um they 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 basically there's a cabal of liberals against Republicans and she's basically dog whistling that she believes that to her base. But that aside, can we just have a moment to talk about the Wall Street Journal and their headline of Susan Collins consents. They basically made and and here's the thing if you ever read the Wall Street Journal, you'll know that their, their, their editorial room, the owners, very conservative. The reporters, not so much. Uh, there's always been this weird political dynamic of left and right in the Wall Street Journal, which I guess what makes it actually a pretty good paper. But when it comes to writing headlines, can we just go ahead and say that conservatives are horrible at it, especially with the whole Susan Consents headline? That's like basically saying, okay, Kavanaugh was raping all of these people in the Senate and Susan saved our butt by saying, nah, I liked it. Yeah, if that's not a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek, oh my God, we're here to stay, sexual assaulters, I don't know what is. Okay, actually, it could be a lot of other things, but it is basically dog-whistling male culture and saying, ha ha, fellas, we're still in charge. Check out our sarcasm and sense of humor. Aren't we witty? <laughs> oh, God, what do you mean I can't pinch your butt? Um, see, that's just it. A lot of people want to also weigh in on what Susan and her... Oh God, can we just have a moment to say it from now on? If anybody names their kid Susan, it needs to come with the caveat that they... They really learn the lesson of other Susans before they go forward in life. Um, but when it comes to 
our particular Susan. The, the, the one that, that, that we knew. And this is the thing. You should always know that she will follow the boys club. She is old guard GOP woman. And I know that this is going to be a hard pill to take, but there is women in this country, there are women in this country, that that basically feel that they don't deserve all the rights of men. And that they, as a collective whole, should be able to determine what people do with their bodies, but then they kind of relegate that to all the men making those judgment calls uh, just the same. When it comes to some women in this country, you're, and this is the painful part, you're not going to reach them. Because time after time after time, and you, you probably saw the footage of Orrin Hatch uh, being... Uh, being followed into an elevator, and he basically waved what could only be described as a condescending, childish way towards women that he told... Remember, they were basically trying to say, why vote for an alleged sex offender? I am a victim. Please hear me out. But he basically told them, why don't you grow up? And if you're a woman in this country... It doesn't matter your race at this point. When the boys start telling you to grow up, homeboy's getting a little too cocky for his britches, if you know what I'm saying. And that's where this whole article of Dear White Women, Come Get Your People comes into play. Because time and time and time again, I hate to call you crackers out, but Caucasian women capitulate. It's, it's literally what they do, especially when they're in old boy organizations, because they know if they don't, not only will they be ostracized because the boys are in the majority, but their chances of maintaining their status within that organization, whatever organization it is, are permanently sullied because they didn't do what the boy said. At the end of the day, even if you have a woman in that seat, the attitudes of men push her opinion. And when you have guys like Orrin Hatch basically waving and saying, grow up, to, to victims of sexual assault, like he could care less. Did you see how jubilant, how happy all of these Republicans were despite all of the stories around them. They almost came off, okay, they actually did come off, as cold, insensitive, and deaf. Because remember how the Supreme Court is supposed to uh, not have any political leanings? Well, now, thanks to their actions, it does have one, and it's tainted by a whole attitude of we do not care about female victims in this country. We're going to enforce the elitist white boy club, and we will do it with the complacency and complicity of the Caucasian woman. So that's what they mean when they say, white women, come get your people. Because if you are a white woman and you're thinking that everything I'm saying right now is complete BS, okay, 
prove it. Because you do need to come get your people. And we all need to come get our people right now. Especially those people that are a little bit out of line with their, well, conversations lately. Remember how I said this all has to do with how we talk about this stuff going forward? There is no, let's have a discourse. There is only attack your side, demean your side, delegitimize your side, and deny that you have any good ideas. And, if you think I'm only talking about one party, think again. Because, despite everything that is being told out there by Trump and his administration about fake news this and everything's out to get us and there's deep state conspiracies, there in fact is no conspiracy other than the GOP using their rhetoric to elevate some hype to get themselves a scared, emboldened base that will never leave them. And when it comes to the reaction of people like Orrin Hatch and even the picture of Lindsey Graham straightening his tie as a woman screams in the background, time and time again, these white guys that do not care what happens to women will enjoy the complicity of white women because they know that they'll cave. So here's the thing, white women. And I do specifically mean you. Women of color, Any y'all can just sit here and enjoy your moment in the sun where nobody is telling you how to live your life. No, we're going to tell the Caucasian women here in the audience. If you're angry, if you're one of the people that is like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened, please understand that you have to talk to your fellow woman. And tell them that it bothers you. Because they are living in the shadow of their husbands or their fathers. And they don't have an opinion or enough information from those sources to know what you may see. And that's the part where I have to bring in my my wife. Because she's been having a hell of a time with me on social media lately. Um, Reason why is because she gets all the same updates that everybody else gets, and as such, she tries her adamant best not to react when she sees these things. But a couple of hurtful comments over the weekend from some former classmates of mine back in my small country redneck town, and, and I should explain, yeah, I still keep them on my list despite their absolute hatred of everything that I stand for and talk about, Because at the end of the day, they're only human, and if I don't like what they're saying, yeah, I could always get rid of them, but I could also use it as a reminder not to become those jackasses too. But my wife has a very hard time holding back her emotions from time to time because she is angry at everything that's happening, and yeah, because she she is a Hawaiian woman. She doesn't enjoy all the benefits and never really enjoyed them her whole life of being a Caucasian entitled woman who had all the support at their discretion of the white male. So when it came to how she was going to react, she actually told me time and time again, I have to learn that everything is a teachable moment. 
that these guys don't understand the issues that they're talking about. When they mention stuff like abortion and things like that, do they actually understand what it is? Do they understand how biology of human gestation works? At what point is a life a life? And no, they never go past the rhetoric. So I can't react to them in anger. They're ignorant. I have to educate them. So... Remember how I said that we have to kind of figure out new ways to talk about things? We have to kind of take, no matter what side of the political discourse you're on, everything going forward as teachable and... Here's the hard part. Because this Kavanaugh hearing, this, this mad push by the GOP that blindly ignored victims of sexual assault, and even smiled and waved for the cameras like they were on some sort of red carpet treatment. These guys, this this powerful cabal of, of white men that disproportionately represent themselves at the the national government level, well, when it comes to what they will do against women, They literally have no care or concern about what women think. And when you talk about Collins and all the other women within the GOP that supported not only Kavanaugh's confirmation, but even Trump's whole agenda, they're basically doing it to maintain their power. And now... Everybody kind of sees that. And when we talk about these things at a water cooler, when we try to talk to each other, we can't do what she did and say, well, there was a conspiracy of dark money, and of course, there was all this. No, 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 no. Everything has to be a teachable and learnable moment. You have to listen to what the other person is saying to understand what level of knowledge they have about the issue. After you listen, and here's the important thing, you have to tell them why, not what, but why you may support their idea or don't. America has a weird fascination, not with the how of things, not with the what of things, but with the why of things. It's, it's ingrained into our culture. And, and, and that's the thing. When it comes to white women, it's all ingrained into their culture. Why do I do this? Why? Why is this happening to me? Not how and not what. And it's like that for, and and this goes across all gender, racial, and sexual orientation lines, it's like that for a lot of Americans. We focus so much on whys that we forget hows and whats. And in this case, that could be a major problem. Because that's the part of the argument that can actually get somebody to listen to you. And here's the hard part. If you can deliver it in a way that abstains from assaulting the other person's intelligence. 
And that's where we have the problem now. Trump has raised rhetoric to almost conversational level where every single day it's, it's, it's convenient to call the other side stupid. It's convenient to say they're blind and dumb. The problem is, is they're still Americans. And we're all in this boat together. And if we're ever going to get past this whole contentious presidency, we have to learn how to get back to talking to each other civilly. Because, like I said earlier, that's exactly what's going to happen within the halls of the Supreme Court. The Kavanaugh nomination, unless anything else comes up, which, I mean, come on, let's look at the quality of that FBI uh, investigation and uh, go ahead and say that's not going to happen. Okay, so um, with all of that said and done, we know that Kavanaugh is going to be in the Supreme Court and he's going to be going to work Almost immediately. As a matter of fact, he's hearing a case that is uh, very interesting to me because it has to do with the state of Hawaii where I live. But all that aside, he is going to enjoy a very non-contentious, non-combative discourse in legal theory and practice with his peers in the Supreme Court because they know Despite whatever political pressures they are outside of the court, they still have to be a functioning body. And that's the problem. Time and time again, political analysts came out over the weekend and said, America is no longer a democracy. America is broken. And yeah, we kind of are. But there's a way to fix us. And it involves, oh God, time, patience, understanding, more patience, a little bit of explanation and good research and verification of what you're actually saying. Like, (laughs) I don't know how many Republicans think that they are medical experts from WebMD about the female anatomy, despite them not being an owner of a female anatomy some of them without even seeing one. But moving on, when it comes to how we talk about these things, the patience part is the hardest for us to endure, but we're going to need it. Because going into the future of what just happened over this weekend, Republicans have strengthened into the foreseeable future their agenda being instilled into the judiciary of the United States. And when you think about that, holy cow, they pulled off in one fell swoop a pretty big coup. And the thing is, is they've been pulling it off since day one. Time and time again, I've told you about Jeff Sessions and his rapid appointment of hard-line conservative Republican judges across all these federal positions, outpacing any other appointment that the government is doing, Sessions is trying to stack the deck. Republicans as a whole are going to stack the deck. And that's going to have implications going forward. Because in stacking the deck, in breaking the rules to stack the deck... Oh, I'm sorry, they didn't break the rules. They rewrote those 
I almost said a bad word. Yeah, they rewrote those. All of them. That's why we didn't have a filibuster against, you know, <clears throat> Kavanaugh. It's because we can't anymore. The Republicans took that away. When they're no longer in control, that's still going to be the rule of the day. And that means that much like the running through of Kavanaugh to a quick appointment to the Supreme Court, Democrats, thanks to the way the Republicans rigged the game, will be able to use the exact same rules as long as they maintain power legislatively. Restoring the balance of left versus right isn't going to happen, though, in some midterm election. It's going to take generations to repair some of the social and cultural damage that we've done to ourselves in just, what is it, day 5,028 of Trump's administration? I don't know. Time has lost its meaning in this news cycle. But one thing that hasn't lost its meaning is that America is always about kind of looking inward. I know that that's a really hard thing to admit, but we used to do this a lot. Looking inward, analyzing ourselves, and, and determining whether or not things we were doing, we did because they felt good. They felt good for the short term, but they would hurt later on. Or they felt good to us, and they hurt others. And when it comes to where we are now and where we're going very soon in the future, that's going to be something that we all kind of have to keep in mind. We need to look inward and make sure that when we're going out there and we're talking about these things, that much like my wise wife, God, she's smart. And pretty, didn't it? Okay, but anyway, um, she's right. You can't come from a point of anger anymore. No matter what side of the agenda you're on, you have to come from a point of education. Educating them about what the thing is that you're talking about. Making sure that they have the same level of understanding. Or, <clears throat> vice versa, remember, teachable and learnable moments. But we have to get back to that because it's clear with all of the stuff that happened, with all of the way that the Republicans pushed this thing through, with playing up this huge drama of it was like, you know, Ross and Rachel, will she, won't she vote for Kavanaugh? Of course, Collins will vote for Kavanaugh. She's a white woman and white women capitulate to white men. Despite all of this stuff, we still have a country to maintain going forward. And that's going to be harder and harder every day that we don't talk about it with each other. So I know that this is a, a big kind of a, a revelation, but we have to get back into having conversations because that's what's going to happen in the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh made it. There's no way of stopping that. And, like I said, barring some terrible, terrible thing, He's going to be there for many, many years to go. And much like a family trapped together on a small desert isle, Supreme Court justices know this, and they're going to do their best to maintain some sort of civility with him. And if Supreme Court justices 
who, let's just go ahead and say, right now includes 22% of accused sexual assaulters. That's an interesting statistic. 22% of the Supreme Court voting is now done by accused sexual assaulters. Uh, With all that going forward, they're still going to be congenial with each other. They're still going to work with each other. And if they can work with each other, knowing the stuff they know about each other, despite that, maybe so the rest of us can too. Hey, until tomorrow, try to be safe. Love you, mean it. Get in, bye. Bye.